This is the Hog Kong Football Okay, let's do this. You are listening to Hong Kong's premier weekly English language local football podcast coming to you from Kowloon, Hong Kong in a week in which, after much Lee Man frustrating, Rangers leave it late and equalise through Clayton. Fernando still the king of the wingers and Pegasus win thanks to Wu Chun Mingas. RNF's lead slips through their fingers. A lot in this week's podcast. Premier League, foot of the table tussle, sapling cup stuff, Chinese league stuff and some Asian Champions League stuff. My name as always is James Legg and I am joined as always by Tobias Dusa. Toby, how's it going? Great. I'm still completely thrilled about the sapling cup weekend. It was a big weekend, yeah. a roller coaster ride, lots of emotions. Yeah. What was what, what was the key emotion for you? It was indifference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there were some big games, big moments, and we will discuss them after we talk about the one Hong Kong Premier League game that happened this weekend. Rangers drew with Lee Man, one all at the Sham Shui Po Sports Ground on Saturday afternoon. This, of course, was the first meeting of historic Hong Kong side Rangers and the club that was essentially spun out of Rangers before this season, Lee Man. It was also a clash between the bottom two sides in the Premier League. Not a classic match from the bits that I saw. Rangers seemed to have the better of it, but it was Lee Man who took the lead near the half-hour mark. Stefan Pereira heading in off a very nice Dennis Lima cross on the right. Lima actually does very well for this one, receiving the ball with his back to goal, but rolling his marker, Clayton Afonso, before whipping the cross for Pereira. That was the first league goal of the season for the former Yulong man. Rangers chopped and changed throughout the match, and very soon after going a goal behind, the new signing, Walter Vaz, came on for Marco Krasic. That's the same Walter Vaz who was at Southern for a while last season. I thought he didn't look too bad, although I never saw that much of him because he, um, he was only at Southern for a few months, wasn't he? Sultan Gechi came on for Yung Chi Lun at half time, and they even took off their main striker, Chuk Yu Kwok, for the young Cheng Siu Kwan with half an hour left. And in the final minute, Rangers did get one back. Clayton Afonso making up for his earlier error by heading in a Chen Kwok Ming header to make it one all. 1-1 it finished, not a bad point for Rangers, but they are still bottom of the league with only four points after six matches. I heard that everything is not well in the Rangers camp. Be Despite that, not bad result. In this case, what happened is that after the game, Dejan Antonic... He apparently went on leave now for two weeks. The coach of Rangers yeah, went on leave. Yeah, a temporary resignation. Um, meanwhile, Shara Ambasagai is taking over. And the strange thing is that in the last game, uh, you remember Walter Vaz came in for Marco Krasic in the first half. Yeah, quite early on. Exactly. And it seems that this substitution was something that has been suggested by the management, rather by the head coach. And this interference was not well received. And there was another strange thing going on with uh, Chakyu Kwok. Chaku Kwoko was taken off in the second half around the 60th minute. No Kwok, no party. Exactly, and this is what happened, basically. And there are even rumors suggesting that Kwok was not at the latest training as well. So the bad boy is back at it. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe even has a point. Not ideal for a team that's at the bottom 
of the table. Not a bad point for them to have picked up against Lee Man. Lee Man, who I thought were a little bit ahead of Rangers in terms of their performances this season so far. Well, they're not backing that up in that they drew with the bottom club Rangers. They're still a point ahead, but um, we'll see how long that lasts and we'll see what happens with this mini drama at Rangers. To the Sapling Cup, RNF played Pegasus in Group B at the Turnquano Sports Ground. Pegasus won 2 one, RNF did take the opportunity to add some younger players to their already quite young squad. 18-year-old Man Hin and 21-year-old Wong Kai Yu came in. They both usually play in the reserve division, so a big game for them. I guess from their names that they're some of the Hong Kong players uh, that the RNF have rather than the younger mainland players they've got. Yeah, absolutely. The reserve team is entirely Hong Kong. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know? No. They are based in Hong Kong as well. Yeah, oh, well, that explains it, okay? Do we know anything about these players, or are they very much new on the scene? They are very, very new on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> See, sometimes you have backstory for these guys, like, you know... <laughs> I wish I had. I could make school. something up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just start making stuff up. Okay. And there have been some comings and goings, well, more specifically just goings at RNF as regards their um, senior players. Yeah, this is where I can come in with some interesting stories, right? <laughs> Yeah, very surprising. Two of their key foreign players left. Marco Perovic, who had a terrific season for South China, if you remember. Yeah, well, he signed in January, didn't he? Right. And he was he was excellent, really good. But then he only got two games at RNF in September. And he scored. He scored for them against yeah. Pegasus, I remember. Exactly, one goal. And then he somehow disappeared. I think he was at the bench a few times and then not in the squad. And the other player who left earlier than expected was Pruninho. One player that you had high expectations in. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they were based on anything, <laughs> but you know, he 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 looked good, like the you know when he when he uh, first started, and RNF hoped that he could get some momentum back into his career after a few dodgy seasons in Denmark. And yeah, I mean, he's played like six games, not scored any goals, and what? So he's gone now. Yeah, they are both gone. Uh, apparently, the contracts have been terminated. This means that RNF might go on shopping tour very soon. Hong Kong Premier League clubs. Brace yourself. <laughs> <laughs> they got loads of money. Yeah, that is a shame about Marco Perovic. He, yeah, he was a halfway through the season signing for South China last year, but he really was one of the players of the season and sad to see him go. <laughs> well, anyway, the players who are still at the club took a 1-0 lead in this match. Giovanni De Silva scoring a header off a Yang Ziyi corner in the 36th minute. A little earlier, Pegasus centre-back Rosenkolev had had to go off injured. That's not the first time Injuries have affected his season. He was replaced by Cheung Chi Young. Anyway, it was 1-0 to RNF at half-time, but Pegasus came out galloping. Travis Major with the equaliser in the 56th minute off some good work by Joao Emir. That's Major's fifth goal in all competitions, and a lot of them have come, like this one did, through the Australian striker getting himself in the right place at the right time in the box. And it was uh, Joao Emir shot in the 70th minute that RNF goalie Zhou Yu Chen failed to keep hold of and the young Pegasus captain Wu Chung Ming pounced to poke home the winning goal. After their little three-match wobble, Pegasus are back, Toby. And yeah, and what surprises me a bit is that they're still interested in the Suppling Cup as well, which you cannot say of most teams. <laughs> yeah, true. We, we, we thought that maybe they might focus on this very good league campaign they have so far, but they put out a nearly full-strength squad. Not too difficult for them. I mean, Wu Chun Ming is one of their key players in the Premier League and he's only 20 years of age. He's having a great season so far. Good to see a young Hong Kong player 
doing so well and he's been trusted to the captaincy many times by Young Ching Kwong. He really, really is one to look out for for the Hong Kong national team. He was in the last national squad, wasn't he? Although I don't think he played. Elsewhere in Group B, Southern played Kichi. That was at Hammer Hill Sports Ground on Sunday afternoon. People have asked, are Southern the team to stop Kichi? And although the Sapling Cup isn't the ideal arena to test this sort of thing, Southern did get a 1-1 draw out of the currently unbeaten Hong Kong champions. Kichi brought in a couple of their young players, specifically Barak Brownstein and Sebastian Buddle. Southern did the same, giving starts to Matthew Chan and Paco Chan, two reserve players who I must admit I, I don't know much about. Toby, have you got any info on these guys now? Oh no, sorry. Crying out loud, Toby. <laughs> It was a bit of a nasty game, five bookings each for both sides, but it was Southern who opened the scoring only 15 minutes in, thanks to some, I want to call it bad kitschy defending, but it was really just non-existent kitschy defending. Southern left back, Shea Spitz was unleashed down the wing with absolutely no one covering the right flank of Kitchi's defence. Spitz plays a nice cross into the middle for Marcos de la Spada, who is similarly unencumbered by any opposition players, and heads the ball past Guajan Chao in the Kichi net. Spitz and De La Spada, both former Kichi players, of course, combining for that one. I think one of the interesting things about this game was that Kichi had a very makeshift back three. And this is something that, you know, I've noticed and, you know, other people who've written into the show have noticed, which is that at the end of the day, Kichi's defenders don't have to do much because their attackers have so much of the ball and because they turn so, much, so many of their opportunities into goals. Now, the back three for this game was, I think, Danny Cancela, Tonking Man, and Kim Dongjin. The Dong, yeah. Yeah, none of whom normally start at centre-back for Kichi. That's absolutely correct. And it's weird, isn't it, when you're going up against one of the stronger teams in Hong Kong to have to play such a makeshift back three. And it showed, I think, especially for this goal. Why are they doing that? I mean, I suppose, for starters, their main centre-back, Helio, is out injured. Yeah, he's out injured since the national team game, actually. I heard he has a herniated disc. So a slipped disc. And so expected to be missed for a couple of weeks. Wow. Lucas Silva has something with the knee as well. So he is out for two to three weeks as well. Kim Bong Jin might have picked something up. But then still, I mean, it's not that Kitch is now in great trouble, right? Of course, you can see that maybe at the moment in the Suppling Cup, they might play a weirder defensive line, but they would still have options. Yeah, and they had Fernando on the bench as well, who's a generally a pretty solid option. Oh, you talk about Racio, right? Yeah, not Fernando the left winger. One, one thing I also noticed, defensively speaking, is that there was no Wang Zhenpeng on the bench. Is that just because of Sapling Cup things? They had the 17-year-old keeper on the bench behind Guo Zhao, who started in goal. I guess that's just because of Sapling Cup regulations? Yeah, absolutely. I think that they just wanted to give Wang a break and have another under-23 player on the bench. So yeah, maybe a lot of things have just kind of come together to give this slightly wobbly appearance, despite the fact that, of course, it is still just a one-all draw in the Sapling Cup with Sutton. It's not a disaster. And he didn't care about the Sapling Cup last year either. True. Getting back to the game, Kichi did have the ball in the net soon after conceding, but it was disallowed for offside, which is a shame because it was a lovely goal. Fernando with a very nice left foot scoop over the Southern defence and Alex Akande meeting it with an extremely powerful well-aimed header into the far post. But yeah, that was given offside and 1-0 it remained into half-time. Kichi coach Alex Chu brought in a couple of forwards in the second half. Paulinho and Sandro coming on for Matt Lam and Kim Dong-jin. And only a few minutes later, with about 20 minutes left of the match, Sandro laid off the ball for Fernando, who smashed in Kichi's 
equaliser. And it wouldn't be a Southern match if there wasn't some sort of scrap, would it? And there was in the final minutes when Zesh Raymond took umbrage at Paulinho, claiming he kicked Southern goalie Sertak him. He shoved the Brazilian to the ground and thus ensued a classic melee of everyone barging in to shove and finger wag. It was a fitting end to what had been quite a hot-tempered game. Five bookings each for both teams and both Zesh Raymond and Paulinho were booked for that. Just... I, I recognize a pattern there. You know, Southern becomes like this kind of bar fight team. Extremely, <laughs> extremely true. Yeah. I mean, they were even involved on the receiving end, the first bar fight in the season, right? With the R&F player who yeah. punched what, Marco de la in the face. Yeah, right in the face. Right in the kisser. <laughs> right. And then we had the Eastern, the legendary Eastern Southern game. Yeah. They had two men sent off in the first game against Pegasus as well. And one of them was Chase Bitt shoving someone. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. They've just got that Aberdeen passion. Yeah, right. You know, Aberdeen, Marine. Yeah, it's that sailor's spirit. Right, the sailor's spirit. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to say seaman on the podcast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you did. <laughs> yeah, they got the seaman spirit of Aberdeen. And yeah, it is true. I, I think they, their um, disciplinary record reflects that as well. All they need to do now is sign Unlock Fung and Tantra Unlock and they can kind of really... Okay, so back to the serious business. That that leaves Kitchi top of the Sapling Cup Group B with four points ahead of Rangers on three. Southern are down in fourth with one point. Over in Group A, there was only one match this weekend between Eastern and Dreams FC. Tunquano Sports Ground, 5.30 on Sunday. Dreams won 1-0. That was thanks to a goal from... 19-year-old Cheng Chin Lung, that's two in two, sapling cup matches for Cheng. That goal was in the 74th minute, and we talked about some bad defending from Kichi in their game, but this was just woeful from Easton. Lai Hei crossed it in from the right for Dreams, and the ball goes right across the Eastern box. No Lee Chi Ho, no Joe Tycoon. The guy who got closest to dealing with the ball was Lee Kawa, the 21-year-old right-back brought in from the reserves for this sapling cup game. And Cheng skids in to score past Yapung Fai. It's been a real issue for Eastern all season, hasn't it? I think they kept a couple of clean sheets recently, but on the whole, their defending really hasn't done them any favours. Dreams were saved towards the end by Pablo Gallardo, who made a wonderful last-ditch tackle as Manuel Blader prepared to meet a Wong Ti Ho cross just a yard or two from the goal. And 1-0, they won. They go joint top in Group A, along with Taipo, both with two wins from two. Eastern and bottom with two losses from two. We're nearing the halfway point of this group stage. It's a little strange, isn't it? Because the way you look at groups generally is your your brain is conditioned for a four-team group. And it completely skews everything when you've got five-team groups. I don't know what's good and what's bad and where you should be at this stage. And Because I saw that two teams had won two and I thought, oh, they've definitely both qualified. But actually they haven't because right. other teams still have many games still to play it's a little confusing it is but it's better than the three teams group if you yeah. remember but well, anything's better than that <laughs> so there is some improvement let's not talk everything yeah yeah but which is fine it's just that yeah our, no, our right. role is to create some kind of narrative here and it's hard too when some teams have only played one game and that's true but know. we can say it looks good for typo it lo- i mean it looks very good for typo and dreams they are doing very well it, it's the Group A is much less messy than Group B. Group B, anything could happen. Group A, it's pretty much already happened, actually. Typo and Dreams will right. probably win this. In fact, I think if they were to both draw in their game, then they would both go through, right? So 
that might happen. Just saying. I think that's everything from this weekend. Easton not doing themselves any favors in the Sapling Cup. And if you can't do well in the Sapling Cup, you're going to struggle in the Asia Champions League, which they will be doing next year when they play. I'm not saying they will be struggling. I'm saying they will be playing in the Asian Champions League when we get to about February. And I believe that there is some news on the fixture front. Yeah, there is. I think Eastern are starting in the second preliminary round and their opponent will be again from Vietnam. So you say again because that was the opponent that Kichi had last exactly. year. Exactly. And in case Eastern would win, I believe they have to play against Suwon away. Yeah, they'll go away to Suwon Samsung Blue Wings, which is the team who they played in the group stages of the same tournament last season and were quite solidly beaten. Well, they were beaten twice, weren't they? Once at the Mong Kok Stadium and then once away. So they might be reuniting with the old pals from Suwon. Yeah. Well, if, if they get that, that far, yeah. Yeah, if they can get past the... So the Vietnamese opponents will be a one-leg fixture, home game, probably at the Hong Kong Stadium. Yeah, it should be in late January. That could be a very interesting game if Easton can get things back on track by then. Let's see. Anyway, there's still a lot going on. We've got a full slate of Premier League games next weekend and we're going to chat a little bit about Hong Kong's players in the Chinese leagues with a calling guest. Who is it, Toby? Jamie McElroy. We've got Jamie McElroy from Wild East Football. Yeah, old friend of the podcast. Old friend of the podcast. <laughs> and we'll um, have all of that coming up after this quick break. The Hong Kong Football Podcast comes out every Wednesday. You can make sure you never miss our latest show by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Okay, so Toby, I've heard that there may be some movement on the whole Hong Kongers in China nationality situation. Can you explain it to me, please? Yeah, it started with rumors that I've been hearing now for quite a while that different fan groups and people especially in china say that the cfa considers to revoke their change of the nationality law that they started in 2016 which meant back then that all the players registered in china who could be registered as local chinese players then had to be registered as foreign players except they had a valid contract this is why a lot of the hong kong players got like last minute contracts that were very long like kilama and paulinho and Czech Sealy, and so on. So people who the Chinese government considers Chinese, as in people who are from Taiwan, Hong Kong, or Macau. Yeah, absolutely. The CFA doesn't consider them Chinese. They consider them foreign because they play for different national teams. Exactly, since 2016. And now what you're saying is that that might be reversed and they might once again become Chinese. Right. This is what is now rumored for quite a while. And interestingly, the Hong Kong FA has indirectly confirmed that they have been in talks with the Chinese Football Association. So there seems to be a negotiation going on. And the goal, of course, for the Hong Kong FA would be to have, again, Hong Kongers playing in China because it would be a much better environment for them. And yeah, we will see, I think, maybe in the next few weeks, if the decision will really be made. It would be a game changer again. So this, we had this going back a while. I mean, like one player who who was set to leave Hong Kong and go to the Chinese leagues was Yapong Fai. This was a few years ago. And then that changed because the rules for goalkeepers were changed ahead of the rules for everyone else. And is there anyone else of that ilk who might be looking for a move from Hong Kong who will be glad to be once again considered Chinese for the purposes of playing in China? I think it's hard to say because of the rule change, no one really openly considered or 
thought that they have would have a shot to go to China. But now, if it really comes to this, I would say, first of all, the naturalist players might have again a shot. Not maybe playing in the Chinese Super League, but China League One could be a good choice for them. But maybe also some of the youngsters in Hong Kong, if they are willing to play in China. I mean, this is this is not given, right? Do you know who knows more about this than we do? Yeah, I think I, think I know someone, yeah. <laughs> so you, you spoke to Jamie McElroy. You've already done the interview. We'll roll the tape in a second. Jamie McElroy, of course, knows a lot about Chinese football. He's, he's a correspondent for Wildies Football. He also knows Hong Kong football pretty well. What did you start by asking him? I started with the bright side for Hong Kong football, talking about the one and only festival space and how he did in his terrific season in the Chinese Super League. Yeah, well, I mean, he would definitely have one or two years left if the if his contract wasn't up. I think he's been um he was he's absolutely been the best Hong Kong player in China this season, and he's he's at, he's just really over you know well, I don't say overachieved that sounds harsh on him, but he's 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 exceeded expectations. I mean, he he was their captain for most of this season. They they made him captain after the first couple of games. Um, he never he never missed a minute that he was not injured for. Um, he was you know played every minute that he wasn't either injured or suspended, and um, yeah, I mean he was an absolute vital part of their team. I mean easily the sort of the most important Hong Kong player this season, and he, yeah, it's amazing. I mean you know I remember I talked to you about him last year, and I we were a bit surprised about how well he did at Guizhou in League One last year, but for him to be able to step up into the you know into the super league and just keep it going at his age and everything with the kind of some of the caliber of strikers that he was up against this season and some yeah he did an incredible job actually and it seems that manzano really trusts him right i mean he had the coach change early in the season but he still kept like his his captain position then yeah yeah absolutely yeah and you know um yeah, like I mean, he there was no, as I said, there was neither Li Bing, who was the manager before Manzano, or Manzano himself had any interest in leaving buys out of the team because actually in the early part of the season there were some games where uh, they were playing him in midfield because they had um, Australian defender Ryan McGowan and uh, um, uh, Han Pong Fei who was on loan from Guangzhou Evergrande playing at centre back, but they didn't want to leave buys out, so they were playing him in the midfield. Um, I don't think, I still don't think he kind of works as well as a as a defensive midfielder in the Super League but it just shows that they they always wanted to find a place for him in the team right now Festus has another Hong Kong teammate right at the same team Ao Yuan Yu Chung but it doesn't seem that he could really make it into the first team what, what's your general take on him have you ever seen him playing uh I actually saw him play at the very, very beginning of the 2016 season in League One because he played like a half. Uh, and I, I believe I saw him then, but it was, <laughs> it was a very long time ago, so I can't remember much about him. Uh, basically, no, this season he hasn't featured at all. I don't think he's even been on the bench for the first team. Um, he has, uh, he has, he's played, uh, I mean, he played um, 14 times in the reserves. Not that that means a great deal, but like he and towards the end of the season, he he became a kind of regular in the reserve team, which I believe he had a didn't he have some kind of a serious injury last season? My, I think he had some some fitness issues. So maybe he's finally coming back into fitness, and they gave him a run in the reserve team. But he seems to be nowhere near the first team at the moment, and it's hard to it's hard to imagine him. I mean, you know, there are rumors that Guizhou are going to be signing guys like Kaká next season. I mean, whether that happens or not, who knows? But 
the point is that I, I can't see him, you know, having a role with the team in anything other than like, you know, a guy to fill in the numbers. Right. Yeah. It, I also heard that Ao Young, I think he works on a plan B. He opened a restaurant in Hong Kong recently and selling a uh, multi baijiu as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's good to know he has a backup at least, yeah. Right, and he takes something away from Goicho at least, even if it's just <laughs> the, the liquor. Maybe maybe Festus can join him if he returns to Hong Kong at some time. All right. <laughs> We don't really have to talk much about Jack Sealy at Chang Chun Yata and Jean-Jacques Kilema at Tianjin Chuanjin. I think both had very disappointing seasons for themselves. Uh, no, no. I mean, Sealy, like, I think he played three games at the start of the year, like in the early stage of the season, and then he was just never seen again, um, except in the reserve team. So, I mean, Chang Chung, uh, I mean, they've got him through till 2020 season, I think, on this contract. So I've no idea what they're, what they're going to do with him. Um, but yeah, they, they, I mean, they played him in midfield, which uh, early, like very early in the season, it just didn't work at all. And they just completely gave up on him. And Kalama didn't make a single appearance this season, not even in the FA Cup, uh, which is where he kind of was largely consigned to towards the end of last year. So Yeah, and I mean, you know, they um, he actually was like captaining the reserve team, and uh, it seemed like uh, the basically the Chengjin reserve team did not do very well this season. And I can't say that I saw them play, but I know that they conceded a lot of goals. And I don't want to, I don't want to hold him personally responsible for it. But uh, but you know, I yeah, I think his time in Tianjin is over. Right, and his contract also expired now, right? So yeah, that's right. Yeah, and there's no way that they're going to try to resign him, even if the rule changes. But there's still one more player I would like to talk about um, a little bit more, and this is in China League One, Gottfried Karikari. Uh, how was his season? We didn't really hear much about him um, compared to last year. I feel. Yeah, well, basically he was still pretty good, but there were a couple of issues. He. Um, he Uh, he wasn't as consistent this season in terms of his actual output. Um, he in the like he the, the reason I, I really like Harry Carey playing for Qingdao is Qingdao played this kind of like um, slightly tiki tackery style. They have a bas former Barcelona youth manager and they just kind of pass the ball around a lot. But Carry Carey always offered them this slightly more direct route towards goal, um, and he still does that. But this year, just his kind of output in the final third wasn't so good. But actually, the the problem is that in about halfway through the season, he he was basically starting every game, and then he picked up an injury, um, and he missed I think about uh, some like five or six games. And then when he came back, they they basically didn't put him back into the first team. Um, he, he was he was making a lot of sub appearances, and I think he maybe made one more start. But uh, but basically, I think because they they realized his contract was up, and by the time he came back from injury. Um, their season was already kind of over. Their, their chance of promotion were pretty much gone. So I think they just uh, they limited his playing time basically. So I mean, yeah, he did okay. And you know, like I think he's still he's still a player that that is easily good enough to be in China League One and can do a job there. But I mean, you know, like he just uh, I just think they decided well we're not going to win promotion. Um, he's not going to, we're not going to sign him next year unless there's a rule change. So we may as well give some like younger players a go, basically. This is a very good uh, keyword because I actually wanted to talk about this potential rule change. Uh, there were some rumors recently and even the Hong Kong FA, they more or less revealed that they have been in negotiations with the Chinese Football Association as well for a potential rule change. Again, the Hong Kong players could be registered again as local players in China as uh, it was the situation before 2016. If that's the case, I know that you are now a little bit more familiar with Hong Kong football. 
if you look at Hong Kong players, also uh, at some Hong Kong players at the Hong Kong Premier League, for example, do you think there are any potential players that could make the jump at the moment into China? May, may it be China League One or Chinese Super League? Uh, there are definitely players who who could make the jump to China League One. Certainly, um, I, I think with the I think now the problem with the Super League is that um, there there aren't many teams who. That, you know, like they, I, I, I kind of worry that because you know after the after the two games between China and Hong Kong, and then they, everyone kind of went on that spending spree of picking up guys like uh, Paulinho and uh, Kilama and Bias, and actually Bias was the, really the only one who kind of worked out, you know, out of that out of that period. And I, and I wonder if um, I wonder if a lot of Chinese teams may be put off by that. But I, I think in in League One there are certainly like a lot of quite a few Chinese uh, sorry Hong Kong players who could who could definitely do a job in League One. I mean, uh, I, I mean, uh, Tan Chun Lok, I think, is a, is, a, is a very good young player. And, you know, he, he would definitely benefit from from playing in China as long as he was playing under a decent coach. And, I, you know, you could easily see him being signed. And, you know, you know, Chinese teams are quite fickle. And I could easily see, like, a guy like a, a guy, just a, a big, strong guy or a kind of a quit, like a... A guy like Sandro uh, playing up front, or a Kande because he brings a lot of speed. Um, even maybe someone like Andy Russell, um, just having like this kind of big, big centre back, just kind of standing in the middle of your defence, is something that uh, might appeal to a lot of League One sides. Yeah, as I said, in terms of the Super League, I'm, uh, I don't know. It's I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could see many Super League sides looking to Hong Kong for new players, but definitely League One, absolutely. Because you know, there's. There's a shortage of uh, there's a shortage of of good there's there aren't enough good Chinese domestic players to fill up 32 pro teams and there there are plenty of like bad players playing in League One. I'm not trying to do the Hong I'm not trying to say the Hong Kong players are bad, but what I mean is there's there's plenty of space to like bring in guys from Hong Kong to to like to play on those teams and they could easily contribute something. Um, I think in in the Super League that could be a little bit more difficult. Of course, we hope for a rule change so we can have you more often on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, so as a last question, I wanted to ask you what's your take on the R&F team in the Hong Kong Premier League? Um, do you think that they're in for the long haul? And is it a useful structure also for the CSL R&F team to have a satellite club in Hong Kong? Does it make any sense for them? Um, well, yeah. I mean, uh, in terms of what it whether it's good for Hong Kong football, I don't know. Like that's, that's maybe, I mean, that's maybe something more for for you guys to discuss. But I think for R and F, it's yeah, it's, it's it's quite a sensible and logical thing. I mean, if you look at this year, they, I mean, the the best example is Min Jun Lin, right? Who uh, who played for the R and F team last year, and uh, he returned to the the senior R and F team, but they they didn't have a place for him, but they sent him off on loan to Guizhou actually to play with Festus. And uh, and he he basically became their sort of like main U23 player and started a lot of games in the midfield. Um, he's actually not going to be a U23 player next year because he was 1994, so he he won't he won't fit under that rule. Um, but I've heard that he's going to return to RNF and RNF are going to like the senior team and keep him. You know, as like a he might not be a first uh, first eleven player, but as a very like important squad player. Um, and then there's Yang Ting as well, who also played for the RNF team last year, and he did exactly the same thing. Went to Guizhou on loan. Um, don't think he had quite as successful a season, but he got a lot of game time. So I mean, the point is that there are definitely guys who who are with RNF who could, um, you know, who who they. It looks like they 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 pay attention to what's going on with that team. It's not. I don't think it's just a stunt. I think the RNF. 
uh, in China is a very well-run club um, compared to like most other Chinese clubs and, uh, you know, their management structure know what they're doing. I mean, this year I see guys like, uh, I think Chan Fu Hai in the midfield um, is a, is a good player who I could easily see sort of uh, like returning to RNF next season and either playing for them or going out on loan somewhere. And, you know, I'm sure some of the other guys are going to step up at some point and, you know, stake a claim. So, yeah, I think, I think for RNF it's good. I don't know. Again, you know, I'm sure you've discussed in the past all the stuff with the ticketing problems and and the sorts of the limits on away fans and the fact that the stadium itself looks well crappy to put it politely and and those kind of things. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you know, I I think that it's sort of like RNF are doing it about as well as you could do it, you know, given the given the circumstances. Okay, great. I think that's it for this time. Uh, thanks a lot. Always great to hear from you, Jamie. Okay, no worries. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, hopefully if there's a rule change, I can uh, talk to you again next year. Okay, that's great. Always good to hear from Jamie. And it's a very interesting time in terms of this relationship between Chinese football, Hong Kong football. Currently, it's kind of like a closed system, but increasingly that's changing, you know, with things like RNF moving to Guangzhou. And well, we'll see what happens next. What will definitely be happening in the immediate future, is this week's Hong Kong Premier League matches on Saturday. RNF, speaking of them, will play Eastern at the Yanzigang Stadium, 2.30 in Guangzhou. Two teams that have not lived up to expectations so far this season. RNF have got things together a little bit more than Eastern have so far. And their form at their new stadium has been better than it was on the road in Hong Kong. I think they've played three games there so far. They only lost there to Kichi, and that was having led the game. I imagine that they'll keep that Good set of results rolling with a win against Easton. I think the only thing I'm worried about is the current squad. Uh, as we know, Marco Peric and Brunini have left, but also this last weekend, Itaparica was missing because he had an injury. And yeah, now any kind of injury, especially to foreign players or natural players, could be really painful, particularly before the transfer window will open again in January. RNF, of course, rocking a couple of former Eastern players in the shape of Roberto Afonso and Giovanni De Silva. They'll be going up against their former employers. I kind of feel as though Eastern have really missed Roberto Afonso this season. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You know, we have started to talk about the comeback of Eastern, but it doesn't really seem to have been that convincing again. Yeah, I think they might have papered over the cracks successfully. For I mean, they did get two wins, but they were against Yunlong, who aren't doing very well themselves so far this season. And, well, one against Southern, which is not a bad result. But yeah, they, they, they may have papered over the cracks a little bit. I think what, what we saw from especially that goal of Cheng's for Dreams against them this weekend just gone was that there are still issues at centre-back. Tycoon Joe not slipped in seamlessly, as they might have hoped. Li Shi Ho, similarly. I mean, just to be a little bit mean here, do you think we should call it the Guangzhou Derby? <laughs> I suppose it is. There's a, definitely a Guangzhou link in both cases. Right, so for all the listeners who don't remember, Eastern has a sponsor at the moment, Lung Lions, who are related to a company based in Foshan in Guangzhou. And they were a little bit involved in this ticket disaster back in the Asian Champions League earlier this year. And yeah, people have made fun of this link ever since. Yeah, and rightly so, because it was not a good situation for the away game in Guangzhou Evergrande. I've already said that I think RNF are going to win this game. I actually think I agree with you this time. Although, speaking of this uh, debacle at the Guangzhou Evergrande last season, do you think that the, the company will send a bunch of fake fans again to go and sit in the away section of the Yanzi Gang Stadium? You know, I, am, I reach this point where I say everything is possible. Maybe even the VIP sector 
of the Jansegang Stadium. I don't think it has a VIP <laughs> sector. <laughs> the empty stair, the office in the middle. <laughs> you going? I'm not. I'm not going to make the trip, sadly. Yeah. That's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> One game that I will go to on Saturday is Pegasus versus Dreams FC at the Hong Kong Stadium. This could be a great match. Pegasus would be quite a scalp for Dreams to claim if they can. But I find it hard to bet against Pegasus at the moment. They've got such a settled squad. If they can keep everyone fit, everything seems to work for them at the moment. Rosen Kolev went off injured in their last game against RNF, so maybe they'll be missing him. Hopefully, that doesn't mean they have to put Travis Major back at centre-back because that didn't work out for them last time they did that. Yeah, as long as they have their lucky charm, Huawei Mia, I think they are fine. <laughs> I think a lot does rely on him and uh, and they have him at the moment, so go for them. I think Hong Kong Stadium becomes their new favourite home ground, right? Do you know, my former animosity for that ground has definitely dissipated. Why is that? It's because it's cosy, right? Together with the 300 fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think in part, it's you know, we have built up some good memories there. You know, over the last year, you had that great game against North Korea. You had the great game for Kichi against uh, Hanoi. I get annoyed. I'm still annoyed that Hong Kong national team games are played there because I just think it's silly. Uh, I, I think similarly about the Champions League games that Kichi are going to play next season. However, I think what's great is that despite that, what I would call a failure of organization and of the general infrastructure that underpins all of Hong Kong football, as in the lack of a medium-sized stadium, that the Hong Kong fans have overcome that and they've, they've turned it into a, a home. And they've, you know, if you go, if you go and sit in like the lower reaches when it's quite full, it feels like the stadium's full because it gets so kind of hot and heavy under there. Yeah. And... That's why it's because of the people of Hong Kong football, not because of the stadium itself. And that's why I'm increasingly, you know, and also easy access to the bar. It does have very easy access to the bar. That's true. And to the toilet. <laughs> it's a very convenient stadium. Mm. Okay. So there you go. That, that was a very lengthy answer to, to your question. And I'm looking forward to going back this weekend. And who are you backing? Like, who do you think you're going to win? I think it'll probably be Pegasus. I think when you look at how dreams dreams have done well against teams of similar standards to themselves and lesser standards, but then when you look about how they did against Kichi and they just got completely walked on, I think a team of solidity and quality like Pegasus have shown so far this season will will win. It's a fair call, but I, I do think that dreams are still quite unpredictable. And so that speaks in their favor, I would say. And so I just go for it and say it's a draw. Okay. We never actually go back and look at these, do we? So, I mean, it's... on Sunday, Taipo will play Yun Long at the Taipo Sports Ground. It's their first game of the season at Taipo Sports Ground, back where they belong. Yeah. You look the forward? place to go. Absolutely. Finally, football is back in Taipo. <laughs> Football's coming home. Yeah. Taipo will be without the suspended Tanchun Lok, who picked up a booking last time these teams played. These teams were. Each other's previous opponents too. They met in the Sapling Cup about 10 days ago. Taipo dominated Yun Long in that game. It seems as though they'll do it again in this latest New Territories derby. Yeah, I hope so. But I'm a bit worried. Without Tanjun Lok, if Dudu is also still missing, then it, it might get a bit problematic in the defensive midfield. We probably will use again Leung Kun Chung then as this backer, but then Shaw Tse is also not there yet. So yeah, I think they're in a bit of a trouble when it comes to, to the midfield this time. Yeah, so if they push Leung Kun Chung into defensive midfield, does that mean David Lazari goes into the back three? Yeah, he's playing now back three most of the time, yeah. I don't think that's ideal, personally. Yeah, but he's also not the fastest, so increasingly like him more in the back three than, than on the wing. Yeah, and the, the left back, uh, what is it, 77 
Yeah, Leung Sing Yu. And I, I think it's it's fine to have him as left back, but I, I think they can do better than to have Lazari as part of the back three because even when they've got their full complement of Leung Kun Chung, Eduardo Preyes, and Andy Russell, you know, they're, they're not always on it. Yeah, but maybe against Yun Long, it's still enough. <laughs> Probably true is the... Yeah, it's sad reflection on the way Yun Long are playing at the moment. At the same time, on Sunday, Rangers will play Kichi at the Shamsho Post Sports Ground. Top of the league versus bottom of the league. Kichi still undefeated. Rangers still not looking great. But Rangers will be buoyed by that last-minute result against Lee Man. But they may be... What's the opposite of buoyed? They may be weighed down by the um, poli- the political turmoil that appears to be um, unfolding in the changing room at the moment. So who's going to who's gonna be in the dugout for this game for Rangers if Dejan Antonic is off on holiday? So it seems Sharayan Basagai, who... Still played, right, for Butchung Doris guy, was it? Last season. Last season, yeah. And Cheng Wai Hong. Not the best time to be playing an almost unstoppable looking Kichi, is it? No, certainly not. And especially if they even wouldn't have their best weapon in the squad. So I, I'm still concerned. I increasingly realize that I have a soft spot for Rangers, but I think my soft spot mainly is based on MK Kwok. Yeah, me too, to a certain extent. Although the tartan in the kit is also quite endearing. Kichi showing some signs of weakness. Is Helio, if Helio's still going to be out injured, who's going to be at the back? If Kim Bongjin isn't there, you're going to have Kim Dongjin, maybe Nando will start, and Danny Cancela or Tong Man. We'll see. Yeah, but even then, I mean, it's not the worst defense you can have. Right? No, it'd probably be a very good defense for most teams in the Premier League. In fact, yeah. it, it would be. I'm just clutching at straws here, Toby. Obviously, Kichi are going to win this game. But hey, do you remember, do you remember last season, they drew against BC Glory Sky when no one expected that to happen? Right, and I, I already remember Kichi fans crying and calling for the resignation of Alex Chu. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm you not dropped kidding. two points, you <laughs> bastard! <laughs> So yeah, they are very, very impatient. So <laughs> who knows <laughs> if they drop points this time? Yeah, hell to pay for Mr. Chu. Later on Sunday, Lee Man will take on Southern at the Chungkwan Sports Ground. It's at five thirty kickoff, and I don't think there's too much to say about this game. Lee Man not looking great at the moment. They've conceded the joint second most goals so far this season. Yulong have conceded 14, that's the most, but Lee Man and Dreams FC have both conceded 13. Remember, Dreams FC conceded seven of those in one game right. against Kichi. So and this is just in six games, right? Lee Man have played seven games. Oh, seven games But already. still, that's more, you know, very nearly two a game, which is far from ideal. And Southern can score goals as well. So I imagine this could be a few, three or four goal win for Southern. Yeah, the good news for Southern maybe is that it doesn't seem that the injury for Carlos Martinez is that serious as it looked like in, in the first place. So he might have a quick recovery. I'm not sure if he's ready for this weekend, but it won't be a very serious injury. That's good to hear because he had a very good start to the season for Southern. Okay, so that's everything coming up this weekend. Back to Premier League action, which is, you know, how I like it anyway. And that will be the last Premier League action before... Christmas, is it? Yeah, you're right, because after that we've got another set of Sapling Cup fixtures and then Senior Shield takes over over the Christmas period. Things quieten down a little bit, don't they, for Christmas in Hong Kong? Are they? Really? You think so? Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't really care about Cups. So what that means is that it won't actually be until the 12th of January that we get any more Premier League action after this coming weekend. So it's about a month off from Premier League duty. It's a long time. Yeah, well, anyway, don't worry. We'll, we'll keep you entertained with... All of the latest rumors, gossip, chit-chat, 
action, opinions, analysis, and everything else that you can get from Hong Kong's premier weekly English language local football podcast. Until next time, have a good weekend. Hope your team wins. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's a place for you.